and welcome to the Reader's Quadrant, an Empyrean podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Samantha. We are doing a chapter-by-chapter reread and analysis of the Empyrean book series written by Rebecca Yaros. Today, we will be discussing Chapter 8 of Fourth Wing. We do swear, and we are not spoiler-free. You have been warned. So going into this week's battle brief, there are a couple of things to discuss. So Rebecca Yaros on her Instagram page noted that Fourth Ring was the third most listened to book on Audible in Australia in 2023. Oh, that's cool. So, yay. Especially considering it was only out for like half of 2023. Yeah, because it came out in May. Something like that. I think the spring. And so number one was Spare by Prince Harry, and that came out last January, especially for a book that nobody really knew about uh, when it dropped. Yeah. I think it's impressive. It was May May 2nd. I feel so smart. (laughs) I didn't read it until July, so. Yeah, that's about when I read it, too. Um, And then secondly, I think this is more exciting, probably. So the paperback cover of Fourth Wing was revealed. And it will be released March 26th. So for anyone that was waiting for the paperback to come out, you don't have to wait very much longer. Uh, so the cover itself is a basically a black version of the regular gold cover. And it I think it looks really nice. Yeah, I thought it looked really nice too. It kind of, I'm guessing it's going to be kind of similar to like the Crescent City paperbacks. Like how they're kind of nice and compact. Yeah, I would hope so. Um... I just know a lot of people wait for paperbacks to come out, so it's nice that that'll be coming out quickly. So then I would assume that the Iron Flame paperback would follow sometime next fall, uh, for yeah. a, like after about a, a year or so. Yeah, I wonder if they'll change the cover design or if they'll do like they did with Fourth Wing and just change the overall color but keep the design itself pretty much the same. You know, I think the design is actually important. Like, I think it's telling us things, so I think they'll keep the design the same. But uh, that's just a theory. Violet went hunting for various herbs and berries to make her poisons. While out at night, she accidentally stumbles upon an illegal meeting of the marked ones. After thinking WWDD, what would Dane do? She decides to listen in and realizes that all they're doing is helping each other to survive the quadrant. As she tries to leave after the meeting, Zayden confronts her for listening in by scaring the shit out of her, basically. After Violet throws some daggers at his head, Zayden remarks that she should show that trick to Jack Barlow and bestows upon her the infamous nickname, Violence. Violet promises not to turn them in, and Zayden says he owes her a favor for that. Showing off with his shadows, Zayden returns her daggers to her and sends her on her way. Violence. That was probably my favorite part of that chapter. Although the whole ending of last chapter was so good. (laughs) Don't let your wing leader catch you out of bed. (laughs) That's in stark contrast to how I feel about the opening of today's chapter. Okay. After the quote anyway. (laughs) The opening quote for chapter eight. There is an art to poison not often discussed, and that is timing. Only a master can properly dose and administer for effective onset. One must take into account the mass of the individual as well as the method of delivery. This is from The Effective Uses of Wild and Cultivated Herbs by Captain Lawrence Medina. Now, so I looked up Lawrence, so that means bright one or shining one. And then Medina is a city of the prophet. So, interesting for a person talking about poisons. Yeah. But do we think that this person is a rider or a healer? Like, it doesn't say. It just says captain. I would assume a healer because they're the ones who use herbs in their art. That's, you know, that's what I would have thought, too. But then again, um, oh, my God. Who is the who is the guy from last chapter that we talked about how much we hate him? Nolan. And he he's a, yes, he's a rider and also like a mender, right? True, so, but he's, I don't think that's very common. I think most of the healers would be using the herbs and poultices and all that kind of stuff. And so I would agree with you. I would agree with you that's a healer, but I just thought it was interesting because for all the rest of the openings to the chapters, we've had like a oh, healer or writer or scribe. So, yeah, there's no, no differentiating there. This captain guy just wrote a book about plants. 
Yeah, and I think this, you know, as we see through the rest of the chapter, this kind of cements Violet as she is a master of poison because she does do this very well, except for the last well, one. And she's read such a wide variety of books, like random books. <laughs> like, why is she reading about effective uses of wild and cultivated herbs? Like, when would that have ever come into play if she went into the scribe quadrant? Right. Could you imagine her on, like, a quiz bowl team? (laughs) (laughs) She could be a one-woman team. She would win Jeopardy. (laughs) Except for, like, the math. She probably wouldn't do well with the math. Or the pop culture, I wouldn't think. You know, when I watch Jeopardy, I'm always so confident and yelling on my answers, and I'm very rarely correct. But (laughs) I do love watching these super smart people struggle with the most basic of pop culture or sports questions. (laughs) They always <laughs> fail at sports. <laughs> I can't. It makes them feel normal. Yeah. I would not do well at the sports either, though. I feel like sports is one of the only ones I would do well at. Even American football? I know a lot about it. I, not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> not by choice. Fair enough. Okay. So, getting into the chapter. Violet wakes up. And Rhiannon isn't there. So she has to do up her dragon scale vest by herself. And this is, I really like this line. Because Violet's thinking about Rhiannon. She says, at least one of us is getting a few much needed orgasms. (laughs) (laughs) She said, pretty sure there's a person or two scattered with their partners among the full bunks in here too. That I cannot get behind. That I cannot get behind because I have to tell you a story. I have to tell you a story about a similar situation. (laughs) (laughs) So I did the backpacking thing across Europe after I graduated from university. So I was 23. My friend and I were staying in a mixed dorm in a hostel. I can't remember where this was. Some city. I don't know. There were so many cities. Um, And... So when you're in these dorms, right, you're in bunk beds and then all the bunk beds are kind of like connected together. Okay. Um, so <laughs> my friend is on the top bunk. I'm on the bottom bunk. And so this girl comes in with these two guys. And so her and one guy go up to the top bunk, immediately start having sex. And we're all, we're all, we're all in there. Like all the rest of the people are in the dorm. <laughs> like... I'm in the bottom bunk. My friend's in the top bunk. Like, they're sharing a headboard. Oh, God. (laughs) And you can feel the beds moving. And this was at, like, 8 p.m. We were just exhausted. So that's why why we were in there. But it was, like, pretty full because people were getting ready to go out. Anyways. So that ends. And then this girl moves down to the bottom bunk and does that with their other friend. Wait, so she did two guys, like, one after the other? Yes. <laughs> oh, my In God. In a shared dorm. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so that's just why I can't get on board with this hooking up in a communal space situation. I mean, I probably wouldn't be okay with that in any way, even without that story. <laughs> I'm just saying, I have personal experience, and I'm scarred. Six and a half years later, I'm still scarred. I I can imagine. I I hope they were at least quiet besides the shaking. (laughs) I don't remember, honestly. (laughs) Then they probably were, if you don't remember. (laughs) But but the the moving, the movement of the combined bunk beds was... (laughs) Yeah. So I just wanted to share that story with everyone. That's a great story. (laughs) the things that you are okay with when you are young and don't want to spend a lot of money because yeah we we stayed in that dorm like it's not like we left right also i can't wait to find out what my aunt thinks when she listens to this episode and hears that story (laughs) (laughs) i was so confused i was like what what is the relationship here between these three people (laughs) like (laughs) You do you, but this is a very strange situation. Just a lot. In a, in a, share, in a shared space. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. Good times. Good times. Well, someone was having a good time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, my friend and I definitely were not. No. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think anyone else in the dorm was either. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyways, continuing on. To less pleasant things. Yeah. (laughs) So Violet thinks, squad leaders talk a good game about enforcing curfew, but no one really cares. Well, except Dane. He cares about every rule. Ugh. Of course he does. Of course he does. Mm-hmm. To his detriment, honestly. Yes. And this is why he can't be trusted. Nope. But Violet thinks about Dane and she smiles as she thinks of him. And she says that seeing him is the best part of her day. Gross. Yeah. Gross. Simply gross. Anyways, Dane is there as soon as Violet leaves the room because he's a stalker, evidently. Um... I think we should also note that she passes by rows of empty beds that belong to the dozen women who haven't survived to see August. Yeah, they did. And when did we start? May? No. It says mid to late July. Okay. So they didn't even last, like, they barely lasted a month. Not even. Not even a month. Just a couple weeks. But I'm like, wh- when did they die? What have they even done? Yeah, that's a very good, like, what, Yeah. <laughs> Like, because these are people who made it across the parapet. Yes. Actually became cadets. So there was a few people that died that first day when they got burnt. Mm -hmm. Straight up. Straight up just set on fire. But like, literally, what have they done since then? Uh, The only thing I can think of is... Oh, Jack killed that guy. Yeah. I was going to say, that's the only thing I can think of is like on the mats. Like someone getting overzealous, but a dozen? That's still a lot though for that. Yeah. So I, that confused me because I was like, I don't, how did these people die? So Dane's there as soon as she leaves the room. So evidently he's escorted Violet every single morning. Like, Gross. does he have nothing better? Does he have nothing to better to do? And we learn here that Violet has chosen breakfast duty. And I know she's chosen it for a specific reason, but I have to say, I would have done the same thing get the work out of the way early. Even if I didn't plan on poisoning people, I would have picked breakfast duty as well. No, I probably would have done scribe duty. Oh, taking the books and everything? Yeah. It's easy, it's safe, and I don't have to get up early. That's fair. I'm up early anyways. Like, I've told Sam this past, like, I don't sleep. <laughs> like, just ever. So, I'm awake, so I might as well be doing something. That's fair. Um, so, Dane says, it's the only time I get to see you when I'm not your squad leader. Like... He made himself be her squad leader. Yeah, that's true. He did that on purpose. So, but with you know. the purpose of trying to get her out. Yeah, fuck, I don't fuck think he intended guy. to stay her squad leader. Yeah, so they're walking, and a door on the right opens, and Dane darts in front of me, dragging me behind him with his arms, so I face plant into his back, like. you know what that kind (laughs) of reminds me of in a way like the mom move of throwing your arm out when you have to stop suddenly in your car oh my god (laughs) i do that to my purses i do too (laughs) (laughs) but that's what that kind of reminds me of just that knee jerk like (laughs) but it's like dragging me behind him with his arm so i face plant into his back like aggressive also kind of painful, because I'm assuming just for by virtue of being in the quadrant, he's got some muscle. Muscle is hard. <laughs> yeah, and we know that when Violet gets injured, she gets, like, injured. It's amazing she didn't, like, bust her nose. Or redo her shoulder. Maybe. Anyways, evidently, he smells like leather and soap and something else that I can only imagine is a scent of overprotectiveness or overbearingness <laughs> or... Like that candle that smells like Dane's tears. Oh, I love that candle. Whatever that smells like. I need to get that candle. Same. Anyways, evidently it was Rhiannon coming out of Tara's room that had Dane so freaked out. Like, oh, she's such a threat. (laughs) 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 Dane lectures Rhiannon on being out of bed and out of bounds because... He's the worst. Where whereas Violet's like, hey, way to go. I know. Like <laughs> I know you've been wanting to get with her since the first day we were here, so congrats on that. I I, I just love that part of their friendship. It's great. <sighs> Yay for sex positivity. Yes. <laughs> I was just say it kind of reminds me of, like the opposite, like you know how like jock dudes, you know, give each other props. Some of that is kind of like that in a way, but in a not shitty way in a not gross way yeah exactly 
Yeah, so uh, then he slyly tries asking Viola about her sex life as if it's any of his business. And she does say that. She does say that, in fact. Um, she says, are you asking me about my sex life? And then she says, since I got here, that's none of your business. Before I got here, still none of your business. So I do enjoy that answer. Mm-hmm. I do not so much enjoy what she thinks after that because she thinks that she wishes it was his business and she wants to make it his business and I vomit in my mouth. Barf. Also, <laughs> I find it funny Dane's like monitoring the sex lives of first years. So it's not what I had in mind when I applied. Nobody said you have to. <laughs> also, you apply to be a squad leader? I thought you were just assigned. Like, wasn't Rihanna just assigned that in Iron Flame? Um, I don't think so because she says to violet oh i didn't know if you'd be upset if it well maybe i don't know i didn't know if you'd be upset if it wasn't you and violet's like no i would have been a terrible squad leader yeah it's, so it seems like it was a surprise yeah that might just be inconsistent writing kind of like how a second year being a squad leader is such a rare occurrence because violet says that dane's impressive for doing that and yet we know that rihanna gets it next year too like <laughs> Well, honestly, it just makes sense for that, for a squad leader to be a second year. And then third years are wing leaders. Like, right. it's just a natural progression. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So, we learned that the challenges start today, and Violet reassures Dane that she'll be all right, and he doesn't have to worry about her. That's never going to happen. Um, so, she's drawn Orin Seifert. Now, Orin means pine or ash in relation to like trees and then seafert means sea passage so i thought that was interesting because this chapter we started with poisons like a nature theme and then this name is carrying along that waves and he'll be the first of violet's victims (laughs) to get poisoned well he definitely creates an ocean wave at the end of his match (laughs) he's a tall blonde from first swing she says with tolerable knife skills but a hard punch so as long as she can avoid the punch, she'll be fine, right? And so that's oh, yeah. what she does with her with her poisoning. Uh, Violet tells Dane that she can handle herself like as if he'll listen. And then Violet says she'll be challenged once a week, every week. That seems like a, like a lot. Like, we know that threshing is, what, the end of October? Yeah, I think so. So now it's August. So you have, like, two full months of this. That's it's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Um... And then Violet mentions Jack Barlow. Dane says, you need to lay low with that one. Avoid that pompous ass whenever you can, Vi. Don't give him any excuse to come after you. Which is completely at odds, and Violet notes this, completely at odds with what Zayden told her to do in the last chapter. So it's just like, <laughs> Zayden doesn't know her. And he's even made a promise to her mother to protect her. And he knows that she can take care of herself. Whereas Dane is standing over here like being like, don't do anything. Like, stand in the corner. Don't make any noise. Just lay low. He's a helicopter parent. He is a helicopter parent. That's a good way of describing it. Yeah. He's just so overbearing. Like, she doesn't need you to fight her battles. And she's proven that already. Uh, So this line of thinking leads Violet to think about Zayden and how she should tell Dane about the meeting of the marked ones, but she won't because it feels like the right thing to do. And this wording is interesting to me. Like, what do you make of that line? Like, it feels like the right thing to do because she thinks they were just studying or, like, deep down she knows that, like, they're okay. Like, how do you interpret that line? I think it's, yeah, she knows that she's, because she was sad when she was overhearing it. They're not doing anything wrong. The only Mm -hmm. thing that they were, quote unquote, guilty of was having too many of them in one place, which I think she also recognizes as a bullshit rule to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I think she just... If she really wanted to, she could use this to her advantage in getting a bunch of people punished. But she's not that type of person. No. No. Like, she just sees it for what it is. They're just helping each other to survive a situation that they're being forced into. And I think Mm -hmm. that might also be part of it. The marked ones weren't they didn't volunteer for the quadrant like everyone else did. They were forced into it. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. I just thought the wording of it was interesting. Like, she knew it felt right mm-hmm. to not say anything. Violet's instincts, not always right, 
But right in this instance. I like how she says, I've never kept a secret from Dane before when she clearly is keeping secrets from him, like, besides this. (laughs) And will continue to do so. Like, I don't think he knows about her dragon scale armor. Mm -hmm. Um, He doesn't know about the Book of Brennan. He doesn't know about the Book of Brennan. He doesn't know about her sex life. He doesn't know that she's, yeah, sneaking around to find out people's names or that she's going to poison people. She's kept lots of secrets from him in the last, like, month or so. (laughs) Which is interesting because soon he'll feel so compelled and, um, like, he is owed those secrets that he'll get them out of her without her uh, consent with his signet. Like, he feels a right to her memories and knowledge. But he, yeah, he feels like he has a right to her secrets, which he doesn't. And Zayden is also guilty of this. Like, oh. she's allowed to keep things to herself. Yes. Sorry, I just noticed something in the next line. Guess what Dane does? He touches her face. Oh, what? Right after that. Violet, did you hear me? Dane asks, lifting a hand to cradle my face. So I think that's up to uh, three now, right? Absolutely not. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, ugh. Anyways, Violet... Oh, and once again, people, we are in chapter eight. Dane mentions again that it's not too late to sneak down to the scribe's quadrant. God. And I want to strangle him. Like, I'm annoyed with myself because I've assigned the sections of these chapters. And I'm annoyed with myself that I've given me such a Dane-heavy section because <laughs> it has made me angry. Like, ever since I made my notes for this, it's made me angry. Especially since she <sighs> says when the bell rings, it saves her from another session of Dane begging her to run away. How many times is this happening besides what we've seen? (laughs) Yeah, which is interesting because she was literally just thinking about how much she wants to sleep with him. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. And now she's like wants to run away. (laughs) Conflicting emotions, Violet. Just a lot. Uh, So she makes her way down to breakfast duty. and She sprinkles the dried funnily berries over Orin Seifert's eggs. And suddenly it becomes very clear how she plans to win her matches. (laughs) And it is not just false confidence that she is showing. She actually has a plan. Yeah. I mean, we also learned that Oren Seifert likes scrambled eggs, which, you know, I feel like I have a on and off relationship with eggs. Yeah. Because every so often I have a real craving for scrambled eggs. And then about halfway through eating scrambled eggs, I remember what I'm eating. And then I'm like, oh. I don't, I don't like this anymore. The texture gets weird after a little while. <laughs> yes, exactly. Evidently, Orin Seifert does not have that issue. Because if she knows to sprinkle it over his scrambled eggs, he must have it every single day. If she really wanted to hide it, too, she should have added some cheese on top, which is delicious. <laughs> yeah. Well, that kind of masks the eggs, too. True. Also, green onions. I love green onions and scrambled eggs. I, I just like green onions. Same. But I don't like how everything only uses, like, a couple tablespoons or whatever. Yeah, absolutely and not. And then you end up with, it's a like, crap ton of leftover green onions. And I'm like, what am I going to do with these? It's like garlic when it's, like, one clove. I'm like, okay, so five cloves? Oh, I add, like, all the garlic. It says one yeah. clove. Yep. It says one. I add five. You're right. <laughs> um, we then switch to Professor Cowrie's class where he is lecturing them about the different types of dragons. So apparently the different breeds have very different temperaments, not unlike species, like different breeds of dogs. I was literally just thinking that. (laughs) This is interesting. I don't think I really even thought about this the first couple times I read this. Professor Cowrie is an illusionist. So he's the only professor in the quadrant with the signet ability to project what he sees in his mind. That is so interesting to me. Like, do you think... When he first, like, manifested his signet and he couldn't control it. If he was just having, like, random thoughts, (laughs) he would just, like, project them, like, randomly. What if it was, like, a wet dream? That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, like, he's he's in the dorm in the middle of the night and it's just, like, projected. (laughs) This, these are the thoughts that I have. Oh, man, that's worse probably than, like, getting up with a raging boner for a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah. No, it's just bad. It's, it's just, just bad. 
I, but like or I think he's like, gonna be somebody that you'd have to work really hard to control because like if he's in like need to know meetings he can't like all of a sudden be thinking about what he learned in that and then just projecting it all over the place yeah you know it'd be really cool though Hmm. If, like, Dane's able to eventually make his ability go the other way for, like, where he could transfer thoughts to someone else and then they could put, he could do that to Kaori and then he could project it for everyone else to see. Ooh. Wouldn't that be cool? Interesting. 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 Anyways, I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit. Yeah. Um. So, red scorpion tails are the quickest attemper, which, like, aligns with their coloring and what people have always said about people with red hair which annoys me but you know <laughs> you're not helping it right there <laughs> <laughs> um so the projection is of the dragon green which is how you say that according to my research which means sun so fitting like the solar sun s-u-n got it also i just i thought this was kind of weird how they're talking about the dragons in relation to their tail when we Mm -hmm. learn in iron flame that their tails are just kind of out of need like it's not really like something they're born with so i just find that kind of interesting because they don't know that right because they don't even know that feather tails are baby dragons that's true, I guess. They may not know that part yet. Yeah. So like all of their all of their knowledge about dragons we learn in this chapter, like comes from what dragons tell them or what they assume. Like the dragons aren't letting it anyone in on their secrets. Except I'm assuming from what we learned in Iron Flame, Violet's dad knew shit that other people had did not know about. Yeah. I wonder if the dragons knew her dad and, like, trusted him in a different way. Like, I know he's not a writer, but still. This is one of my questions. This is one of the questions I hope is answered in the next book. What, what is going, what was going on with Violet's dad? I feel like we don't know anything about him. We probably won't until, like, the last two books. I know. And I'm upset (laughs) about that. Because the next book is The Middle Child. And I feel like it's going to make a lot of people really angry. Oh, yeah. We're, we're climbing, we're still climbing up that mountain. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be even more questions than answers once we get through the next one. Yep. And I feel like the next one is going to end with Violet and Zayden, like, needing to be apart for, like, an entire book. Because he's gone, like, full venom or whatever. Anyways, this is for a whole different episode. Um, <laughs> I think the next sec- the next thing that I want to talk about is incredibly important. Riddick tells a joke that makes Jack snort. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. What does he say? Um, Oh, there it is. Yeah. So if you you offend him, your lunch, Riddick says from my left, (laughs) and the class laughs. Even Jack Barlow, who hasn't quit glaring at me since his squad took over their quarter of the room half an hour ago, snorts. (laughs) 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 That's not even that funny. (laughs) (laughs) it's not even that good of a joke i just thought that was interesting because i can't picture jack snorting in laughter i also like how kaori or kori kaori kaori i like how kaori like agrees and just like yep (laughs) you are correct (laughs) um so the professor teaches that the best way to approach a red scorpion tail is from the left and front if possible what the fuck does the red scorpion tail have against approaching from the right? <laughs> Maybe they're blind in that eye. That <laughs> <laughs> seems like a bad evolutionary trait to have as an entire species of dragon. Yeah, that's pretty weird. And okay, I'm curious as to what the t- the testing look like look like for this. Did they just like did the scribes just like send people? to approach a red scorpion tail from various angles and they're like oh no no like not the right they always die if they go from the right like how do you even learn that honestly yeah trial and error because <laughs> the people the people who are dead can't tell you because they're dead well if you watch them die i mean they during threshing they have you know people all over just keeping an eye on things yeah i just found that funny because it's like only from the front or the left and 
clearly like, obviously not from the back yeah obviously and clearly the quadrant does not care if cadets live or die so they're probably like yeah sure go see give it a try <laughs> yeah, they're just volunteering like infantry people we need you for some testing <laughs> <laughs> can you approach the dragon from 90 deg- like 85 degrees south southwest and we can see. we'll see what happens like i just i i don't even know so there are three red scorpion tails willing to bond this year and then there are 100 dragons total willing to bond this year, which is 37 fewer than last year and 26 fewer than the year before that. So we learn that it's very concerning that the number of dragons that are willing to bond is going down, down, down. And What's 37 we don't and know. 26? 63. So... Two years ago, there was 163, and now there's 100. So dragons only talk to their bonded riders, and they only give their full name to their bonded rider. And then Cowrie says that dragons having, like, they don't give their reasons for why there are fewer dragons wanting to bond. And he recommends not asking. But, like, Violet definitely would feel comfortable enough asking Tarn and, and Darna questions mm-hmm. like this. So it has me curious as to what other people's relationships are with their dragons. Like, I feel like other people are scared of their dragons. Oh, to like ask them questions? Like that. Like ask them questions like that. Like they just shut it down immediately. Like I feel like Tarn will answer a lot of questions. Like if he doesn't want to answer something about the Empyrean, like he won't. But he gives Violet a lot of leeway in what she can ask. I think, honestly, I think personality-wise, I think Tarn is very different in general from the other dragons like the other dragons like value seemingly more um negative traits honestly Mm. they seem to value more like strength and ruthlessness and things like that whereas tarn looks for other types of strength so Aurelie asks if the numbers impact the wards, and Cowrie says they're not sure. Like, why does nobody really know anything about the wards? This seems like critical information. Just a lot. Also, it should note that when Jack makes a comment earlier, his icy blue gaze. Yes, not red. Not red. Still blue. But we know he will be red when Violet and him fight. Yes. I can't remember what chapter that is. That's later in the book. But So we'll have to, yes, pay attention to that. And I also want to pay attention to see if there's subtle mentions of of literally anyone else. Mm -hmm. Because I haven't noticed before. So there are no blue dragons willing to bond, but Professor Cowrie still talks about them. Scale is a blue dagger tail, which is the rarest of all blues. So that's interesting uh, because... So what, like what we talked about before, like we learned in Iron Flame, the tails develop out of need. So dragons just need daggers less. It may not necessarily be like a dagger, like in that way, maybe just something to go stabby stab. It's also interesting that she's a dagger tail when daggers and ruined daggers play such a huge role against the venom. I just thought that was funny. And her previous writer was also from um, Tyrandor. So she has a specific relationship to that area, which yeah, probably means she has a specific one with the Venon as well then. Yeah, so I said this is where we learn that Zayden is the relative of one of her previous writers, but that's usually not allowed, but Scale does whatever she wants. <laughs> um, and we know that it's his, it's his great... Is it uncle? That's what they say, but it's... They, I mean, we know it's actually his grandfather. Yeah. But I think, yeah, they think it's a great uncle or something. But I find it interesting that Violet doesn't really um, think about, like, about the fact that Cowrie said that one of Zayden's relatives also was a rider for scale. Like, I would have thought that that would have clicked something in her brain because she also knows so much about, like, the codex. And I'm sure that's in the rules. Maybe she just didn't make that thought connection well i don't know because then she notes then her next thing though is about zayden and scale so i don't know yeah that's why that's why i was like oh i find it weird that she didn't comment on that specific note Mm -hmm. but what reason does she have to really i mean it doesn't impact her at all at this point no so everyone's advised to run away from the blues 
which <laughs> makes me so curious as to how the threshing went with Zayden and Scale. Like, do you think Scale just like literally flew up to Zayden and was like, Kate, yeah, you're coming with me? Because that's how I kind of picture <laughs> it happening. <laughs> Except for when she artfully gave him that really tiny scar on his eyebrow with her huge tail. Which, how much control, you know what I mean, to be able to do that? Yeah, yeah. That's insane. And to not damage his eye. Yeah, I know. His beautiful eyes. His beautiful onyx eyes. With gold So first year pipes up. Yeah, first year pipes up and asks about Black Dragon. And Jack indicates that he's like, I want that one. Because of course he does. Why wouldn't he? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Kauri. That's how we're saying it? I have such a hard time with that name. I was going to yeah, say... Ke- I, I honestly don't know. I was going to say Kaori. I think that's probably the Japanese way of saying it. I don't know. That's how I'm going to say it. So, Professor Kaori flicks his wrist and he makes Scale disappear and replaces her with her mate, Tarn. And the illusion that Kaori makes for Tarn is so big that Violet has to crane her neck just to slightly see his head, which is hilarious that she can't even handle a tiny version of him. Yes, because this is interesting because early in the chapter, the red scorpion tail is a fraction of its size, six feet tall at most, but it's an exact replica. So I'm thinking, okay, Violet said she's five feet five feet tall i thought she was five five foot five five foot anyways so it's like six feet is not that much higher so it's like in scale not scale the dragon like s-c-a-l-e darn it's so fucking big like compared to other dragons and i think they always mention like how he's one of the biggest yeah because she like doesn't even come up to his ankle and she's about five foot two or five foot three so i was incorrect okay yeah five two okay that's what i kind of i thought we learned that uh he is the only other black dragon besides general melgrins currently tarn Mm -hmm. also has a morning star tail which if you don't know what that is is basically a spiky ball so it can stab and club you at the same time and Honestly, Jack isn't wrong when he says it's the best of both worlds. <laughs> One of the yeah. few times that he's right about something. <laughs> Him and Hannah Montana both correct. <laughs> and he says that Tarn looks like a killing machine, which is also accurate. He's a killing machine and also a teddy bear. He is. Which is really nice. I like that. So, Professor Kiori mentions that Tarn hasn't been seen in the last five years. And we also learn that black dragons are the smartest, most discerning, and the rarest, as one hasn't been born or hatched, because I think we now know that they're hatched, not born, in Mm -hmm. the last century. Yeah, I also think it's funny that Orly is the one that keeps pointing out these facts. Like, she knows her shit. She does. Well, I think she comes from, like, a family of writers. Her dad and her brother, um, I think, are both writers. So, um, Kyori also says that they are the most cunning and that Tarn is a little over 100 years old, making him middle-aged for a dragon. Which is 500 years younger than Andarna's egg. Yes. So, she could technically be his mom or grandma. <laughs> mm. Yeah. If she was born when, uh, or she hatched when she was laid, which is funny. Also, I just keep picture so I picture him as being in like his 40s or 50s, and if he's middle aged. So just mm-hmm. picturing him as like Mr. Dad, <laughs> you know, Mr. Mom with and Darna. And he gives, he gives such that vibe in Iron Flame with. I the teenage Andarna. It's so great. <laughs> so, um, of course, Jack wants to bond with him and asks how you approach him, which Kaori says, you don't. <laughs> apparently, Tarn has apparently only been in the veil for the past five years, which I'm guessing means he's taking care of Andarna. Yeah, just just chilling. Just chilling. Being close to scale. Yeah, she bonded with Zayden, so he would have to be 
close to Basgath. Yeah, I mean, he would have to be close, but that's, that's what I mean. He would be in the Vale, because that's where the mm. babies are. Yeah. That's also where the Empyrean meets, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. And uh, Kiori also mentions that the cadets won't be able to get to that and that they will uh, be fried before they can get there. And So you have to think that is some place we are going to see in the next few books. I mean, we kind of did see a little bit of it in Iron Flame. Yeah, but we didn't explore extensively. Like, I think there's something big going on in the veil. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the reason Tarn has been there for the last five years, in addition, is his since his previous and only writer died. Which I didn't catch the first couple times I read this. I didn't realize that Nowland was his only previous writer. Violet's mm-hmm. only his second ever writer. Mm-hmm. Which is a big deal. And Nalan wasn't his rider for like a super long time. No, I don't think so. And they, even then, they still had a very strong bond. So it's mentioned, I don't think in this chapter, but in a different chapter, how they were bond was so tight that when Nalan died, Taren almost, Tarn almost died. Yeah, he doesn't do just light and breezy relationships. <laughs> no. <laughs> So then Kiori uh, doesn't really want to talk about Tarn anymore and tries to move the conversation to Melgren's dragon, Koda. So, uh, so per our favorite Gallic TikToker, Morin, this name is most likely a misspelling. She says that the D and the G should probably be switched, which would be pronounced Koke. Koge. Koke? Hmm. I cannot make them. My mouth cannot make these sounds. Kelsey mm-hmm. and I were talking about this earlier. This language, our mouths, we were not raised to make those sounds and we are incapable. So we're trying. Yeah, we'll try our best. We're trying. And we're not trying to make fun of the pronunciation. No. Like, we really are trying our best. We want to do the Gallic language justice. We're just... We're English native we're speakers. We're, we can't. We're just not very good. Not very good at it. <laughs> no. Anyway, apparently this word that it should be means battle, which makes sense. Um, we also learned that Koda, which is how it is in the book, so that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Um, he is a sword tail and the elder of his den, which we learn, especially in Iron Flame, the elders are extremely important. So Jack asks what kind of signet Tarn would give a rider. And it's also noted here again that his eyes are glacial blue. So that's twice in a couple pages where his eye color is mentioned. Yeah, Rebecca Yaros really likes bringing attention to the eyes. Yeah, she does. Which makes sense given that's very important with the venom. Mm-hmm. I, I did, I know... When I first read this, I thought it was kind of weird how Jack's eye color was, like, brought up a couple times here. But I didn't catch it at the end, though. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> nope, I did not catch uh, I, it when I it was changed. Still, but... I was still mouth open, hands on cheeks emoji in oh. Iron Flame. Oh, that too, <laughs> when, yeah. When that, when that reveal came back, I was like, what? Yeah. God. Also, just... I wanted him dead, damn it. <laughs> Stay he's dead. Such a, he is such a good antagonist. He is. But God damn it. <laughs> so, Jack thinks that, basically, your signet comes from your dragon. Which, Kauri, uh corrects him and says, it doesn't work that way. It's unique to each pairing. Because it's kind of more about each person's unique chemistry. And it says more about the rider than the dragon. So you could have multiple people bonding the same dragon, as actually we see with Violet and Nowlin with Tarn. And they both have very different signets. So then we learn about Nowlin. Nowlin's, he was Tarn's previous rider. His name, from what I could find, is apparently a variation of the name of the Aztec sun god, which is Nanahuatl. So when I tried to look into that god, um, there's kind of an interesting 
part that kind of fits with Nolan. So with that God, part of his mythology is that he is humble. He was the most humble of all of the Aztec gods. And he sacrificed himself in fire so as to become the sun for the earth. Oh. So I thought that self-sacrifice was very... Well, and that's like Venom-esque. Yeah. Yeah, so this Because is... there are there are so many theories that Nowlin is not really dead, but he drew his power from the earth to save Brennan and is now King Venom. Which, I mean, the way his signet is described is Venom-like anyway. Cause... Siphoning is Venom-esque. Yeah, because Kaori says that he could absorb power from various sources, other dragons, other riders, and then use it or redistribute it. Yeah. Like, which sounds like a venom. I I am so... I so badly want to know how he brought Brennan back. Like, I need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, fittingly, uh, with this history and everything... Um, Nalan dies by sacrificing himself, as we learn, to bring Brennan back to life, and he succeeds. However, they don't know that here. They think he died. Or that he stayed dead, I should say. (laughs) Um, Violet has a short conversation with Kaori about that after class, where she says Brennan wouldn't have wanted someone to sacrifice themselves for him. Which we don't really get much of when we interact with Brennan. Brennan, Brennan honestly is a fairly selfish character in my eyes. Yeah. Like he mentions at one point, I think when we first talked to him in Iron Flame about how Nalan succeeded and he seems like a little saddened about that, you know, about him dying for it, but he doesn't seem, I don't really see like survivor's guilt, I guess. There's a lot of theories around about the nature of Brennan and Nalan's relationship. Oh. Um. Yeah, like, were they together? Interesting. Is that why he was saved? I mean, Brennan has, like, kind of a rune-type mark about this. Who knows how he feels, really, about it, if that was the case. Yeah. I I wish we would get more about that, honestly. I'm, I mean, hopefully we will. Hopefully we will. But I do not love Brennan as a character, as it stands at the end of Iron Flame. Yeah. He's kind of a dick, in a way. Yeah, he definitely is a dick. One thing that is mentioned here during this conversation with Kiori um, is he mentions, you know, resurrecting from someone from the dead. Now that makes you a god. I somehow don't think that Malik takes kindly to a mortal treading on his territory. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's going to come back in some way. And that may be, you know, kind of hinting... And what you were saying, how he's not actually dead. Like, maybe Malik didn't like what he did, and so he reserved some sort of special punishment for him. Maybe he's Venom and now not really mortal anyways. Like, yeah. Who knows? How crazy would it be if he was the sage? I, I honestly, that is a thought that I've had ever since Fourth Wing first came out. So I would feel super vindicated if that's the case, but I also feel like that's kind of too obvious. Well, I mean, Violet doesn't know what Nalan looks like. And would he even look the same? Yeah. So, um, right at the end, as she's about to, at the end of the class, I should say. Not the chapter. We got a ways to go. Um, (laughs) As she's about to leave the classroom, Corey kind of calls her back and he mentions how he taught both of her siblings. How Brennan was a good writer and a good man. And Mira is shrewd and really good at writing. But he says Violet is smarter than both of them and more compassionate. Mm, I don't disagree. I don't either. And I think that's really sweet of him to say that to her. Because she could use some sort of boosting from her professor. She often feels so inferior to her siblings. It's nice to hear that she in some way is better than them. Yeah, she even says, it's not often I get compared to my brother and sister and somehow come out on top. And even she says, somehow. Mm -hmm. Not even just and come out on top, somehow come out on top. She then kind of, she's very self-deprecating at this point. And she shows that here where she's like, yeah, but that's not going to help me get a dragon. 
to which Kaori tells her, which I believe Tar Tarn says back to her later, not all strength is physical. And she can't, she doesn't even have a response. She's a little lost for words, which for Violet is rare, honestly. Well, it's because everyone else in her life has been telling her that the only strength you can have is physical. It's the only strength worth having. Yeah. And he says they choose for reasons they don't see fit to share with us. And this is the person who is the expert on dragons. At least he admits he doesn't know everything. Unlike anyone else in this school. And they really don't. And it's really funny how we learn just how much they don't know. Even like basic dragon, you know, physiology almost. Yeah, it's laughable. All right, so... Then we have a page break, because now we are at the challenges after lunch. Woo-woo! Fight club! Yeah! Except they can talk about this fight club. Heck yeah. And Rhiannon beats the ever-loving shit out of her opponent, because she's a badass. And I love yeah, her. She's amazing. She even violates, like, she makes it look so easy. And then... <laughs> Dane, again, says that Zayden's going to try to kill her. I mean, I know he has no reason to think anything other than that, but it still, it still annoys me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's also referring to Barlow, but while he says it, he's staring at Zayden. So, could go either way. <laughs> it's like every other man is a potential threat. Brr. Funnily enough, he doesn't think that about the women. Nope. Where, I mean... um, Imogen actually does want to kill Violet. <laughs> True. 100%. <laughs> and Violet notices that her plan to take out Orin is working because he's got a greenish tinge to his complexion. That's a hard word to say sometimes. Uh, and then she also gets taunted by Jack because he can help himself. And uh, he's standing against the wall about 10 feet away. And so she decides to take Zayden up on his advice and throw her daggers. And they land one by his head and one by his balls. Because she loves having knives by his balls. This is the second time she's done that. And uh, it works. He gets scared and runs off with a, you'll pay for that, you know. <laughs> Just such a classic cartoon villain. I know, right? <laughs> What I thought was kind of weird, though, is he doesn't take her daggers with him. He just leaves them. Is there a rule? Like, I you don't have know. to earn your daggers, right? That's the whole thing. I mean, she didn't, but nobody knows that. Yeah. Well, she didn't. She didn't. <laughs> and then Dane just, you know, he's like, what are you doing? I told you, don't do that. Yeah. But Zayden told her to do that, so we already know who has more sway. But then she also notices that her scalp is prickling, because apparently Zayden's looking at her. Mm -hmm. And this happens again, too, at the very end of this chapter, which makes me a little confused. Because from what we learned from that interview with Rebecca, mm -hmm. that is supposed to indicate that Zayden is using his second signet. Yeah. Why is he using it here? I don't understand. Like after she's uh, thrown her daggers? Yeah, when she's talking to Dane, or, or when Dane's lecturing her and she talks back to him. And again, when he, at the very end of this chapter, when he steps onto the mat, like when he's about to. I, I He probably just wants to see see what she's going to do, like how she's going to react. I like I think he's so curious about her that he does it without even like intending to do it. Like he's drawn to her. Yeah. And she is definitely drawn to him because her heart does that damn stuttering thing again. As if he'd send shadows straight through my ribs to squeeze the organ. <laughs> she just cannot <laughs> help herself. Yeah. She like won't once even again admit it's it. that physical like physical reaction. Yes. Every time. It's it's great. And Rhiannon supports her with her attack on Jack because she's a supportive friend. And of course, Dane, stop encouraging her. So Violet has her fight with Oren. Uh, she kind of goads him during the match because as she puts it, he's a bull. All power, no grace. Mm -hmm. She manages to 
basically pin him down on his stomach with her knee in his back. And then he pukes everywhere. And it's disgusting. Literally everybody yeah. is disgusted. Their professor is disgusted. And he's probably I seen battle. Thrown up. <laughs> I would have thrown up then and there. Like the sound and the smell oh, of God. puking. Ugh. I know. Especially in a room that already probably smells terrible because everyone's sweating. Yeah. I just, even like right now reading that, I just, it my stomach wants to roil. <laughs> yeah. It's so gross. But she wins. And uh, Dane has to go find someone to clean it up, which I feel bad for the poor, I'm assuming, first year cadet whose job that is. But, okay, this is, this is another thing that just annoyed me because this, this is reminiscent to me of, like, when the walls yeah. kind of fell and he was like, oh, we'll, ha- we'll have to get the masons in here for that. I'm like, why is the maintenance of this fucking school something that you're concerned about? <laughs> like... Why does he have to find someone to clean it up? I bet he doesn't actually have to. He just takes yeah. it on to himself. I was like, what does he even have to do with this? Like, would that not be Professor Amaterio's job to find someone to clean it up? Oh, 100%. He just, he likes to take on all the things and then play, you know, woe is me. I have all this stuff to do. So then for the next four weeks, Violet continues her plan to poison everybody and it succeeds so she gets a total of five daggers including orange so this is five weeks total so we're on week six at the end of this chapter in early september and so she's doing really good her shoulders are sore but that's okay she hasn't killed anybody yet Um, Something a quarter of their year can't say after almost 20 more names have been added to the death roll for the first years alone. Okay, okay. So, just thinking about this. At the beginning of the chapter, we had a dozen just women who had died. And now we have 20 more people. Of just the first years. I'm just so confused. Like, what the hell killed those women? Like, what? Like, just the practice? Maybe. I mean, Jack killed that kid during practice. Yeah, and that was meant as like a shocking moment. I I don't know what else to say. I really don't know. So Violet accidentally gives her poison to her opponent for this week. Uh, She gives them their poison too early. And so they are too ill to actually participate. And (laughs) Violet says, peels of the wall when fruit will do that when ingested raw. (laughs) say like when they're mixed into the icing of your morning pastry i also like how smart she is about all of this in general too because when she wins her dagger the week before this she actually poisons the entire squad of the guy she's fighting to make it seem like it's just a virus and not her poisoning because she's trying to throw them off the scent (laughs) yeah smart super smart it's so smart so she's like shit She served it to her too early, so she's hoping that maybe she'll just get out of it. (laughs) To which a voice comes out that says, I'm happy to step in. That voice, that tone, that prickle of ice along my scalp. Guess who it is? I I am so excited for next week. It's one of my favorite chapters. And I am so mad because I just realize you get that section and i took a look ahead and i get the dane section again (laughs) (laughs) talking about the fucking aftermath of what happens on the mat (laughs) would you like to switch (laughs) no that's fine i'll just be over here stewing in my resentment of me picking these stupid chapters anyways i think in some ways here too like the prickle of ice along her scalp i think part of it too is her voice his voice just kind of turning her on <laughs> oh a hundred percent i i think it's a lot of just her yeah like physical reaction to him being near like she can't control it and when zayden walks onto the mat we end the chapter yeah, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Luckily for us, we're recording that chapter in two days. <laughs> so yeah. three days. Um, 
So, what have you been up to for the last week and a bit? So, um, I haven't done a whole lot of TV watching um, since I am now working in an office full time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's kind of been more like podcast listening in a way. So, a lot of like stuff mom never told you, um, stuff you should know, stuff like stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I have watched TV, it's just been like, you know, Parks and Rec and the West Wing still. Still a lot of Sesame Street because that's what my child enjoys and it keeps him calm and happy. So, that makes me happy. Um, I finally reached the promised land. Yeah. And a uh, funny story for everyone listening about our Instagram account. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we posted this and then the post got like rejected <laughs> because it was a political campaign. Is that what they ended up saying? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's literally just Obama's book, but you know, whatever. Whatever. Okay. So I finished it. Um, I'm going to post it on my bookstagram at some point here. I'll try and do that this weekend. Uh, we'll see if my post gets rejected. Uh, <laughs> I started reading a book called There, There by Tommy Orange. Uh, so far, honestly, not a huge fan. But I'm reading it for a book club, so I'll muddle through. It's kind of, it's meant to be portray um, kind of like modern Native American life. So like kind of dealing with being an ur- urban Native American and some of the trauma things that they have to go through and things like that, which is important. I'm not denying the importance. I'm just not a huge fan of this guy's writing style, honestly. Mm. So it's kind of like how Game of Thrones does in a way where each chapter is supposed to be like from a different for a different person. So I've gotten like through the first two and a half chapters and they've each been a different person where at least so far these stories are not intermingled. The first one was told in the first person and these other two have been in the, the second one was in third the third person. person. And now I'm trying to remember because it's been a bit since i gotten back to it. But I think the third chapter is in the first person again. And I'm just like, I don't like that. And this like is fiction? That. A fiction book? Yeah. Okay. So I don't like that. And then he does like a lot. Shifting perspectives, I find very confusing. Like going from first to third. Yeah, I don't like that. So- it's very jarring, which honestly is probably the point. But still, I'm not a fan of that. So... And it's just, the way he writes it, too, is, you know, sometimes authors will write words, like, kind of bunched together to indicate, I don't know, a variety of things, either talking fast or intelligence, you know, things like that. They they do that a lot, and I find that annoying and frustrating. But I'm going to try and muddle through. I've been doing the ebook, but that stupid Boundless app is fucking up on me again. So I have a hard copy waiting for me at the library. I just got to go pick it up. Um, other than that, I've been weatherproofing my house. Um, <laughs> we've had a cold snap here. And so my pipes froze at one point. Uh, they thawed pretty quickly. It just took forever. It took like a day and a half for us to get almost two full days to get hot water back. Honestly, we had just had cold water. Oh yeah. So that sucked. Um, so I've just been trying to seal up everything I can in my unfinished block basement. Um, but there's, it's just been a lot trying to get that done and finding holes basically in the insulation around the top part of the blocks in the basement it's just when it we get a little more financially stable we're gonna have to get somebody in to professionally mm-hmm. do it yeah <laughs> it sucks fun stuff yeah what have you been up to i mean not much of anything yeah I just working <laughs> like it's been a busy week it's uh I've mentioned before that I work in finance with financial statements and I'm in charge of putting out a quarterly report for my company and it is that time. So I've just been working a lot. So not a lot of time for 
reading or watching TV or doing anything other than going to work, working, and then being so mentally exhausted when you get home that you kind of just lay there and like stare at nothing. Yeah. And just go to go to bed because you're so tired. Um, Especially at the hours you were working too. Yeah, and I'm just answering questions at random times of day like we started and night we, st- we started this this uh, this episode and i get a text it's like 8 30 p.m and it's saturday it sounds like you're working right now and i was like i'm just answering a question <laughs> it's fine yeah, um but that should be done that should be done like this coming week so yay um i'll be able to get back to my regular life yeah i yeah. mean i'm hoping to find more tv shows to watch it's just it's hard when i'm only home when my child is and he kind of dominates right now at the sesame street <laughs> yeah for sure like my comfort show that i have seen like a million times and i just put on when i cannot concentrate is gray's anatomy i'll just like throw it on and i'll just like lay there and i don't have to pay attention i don't have to do anything it's just on and it it fills the silence. <laughs> yeah. That's how I am with Parks and Rec anymore, too. Um, so on that happy note, be sure to subscribe, <laughs> rate, and review our podcast wherever you're listening to us. That really helps us become more visible and recommended to other listeners on these apps. So it would really help us out if you could give us a five-star rating. Yeah, That would be ideal. That would be awesome. Um. So you can find our Instagram at Readers Quadrant Podcast, and you can email us at readersquadpod at gmail.com. Uh, and be sure to join our Discord. Currently, we are abuzz with discussion it's of awesome. Crescent City 3 coming out at the end of January, and we're, everyone's very excited. Yes. So cannot wait for that. Uh, and then we discuss everything, workouts, pets, meals that we're making it is a fun time so a link will be posted on our instagram if you're interested in our discord yes uh so thank you all again so much for listening we truly appreciate each and every one of you we love interacting with you guys in our discord or social media so please keep that up and uh Remember, the right way isn't the only way. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his song, The Pyre, for our intro and outro music.